you know what's hard? You know what's difficult? It's, just, it's like, it's a challenge. Is deciding how much candy is too much candy. <laughs> is anybody with me on that? Like, for me, like, I'm someone who tries to take in as little sugar as possible. I used to be, like, super addicted to all kinds of sugar, soda, and stuff. But for a couple of years, I've been cutting way back on it, and I felt it in my body. By the way, it's really good. And then comes Halloween, which is just not fair. It's just not fair. I, for years, my family's had this uh, habit of going Halloween trick-or-treating with a bunch of families from the church and uh, lots and lots of little kids. And it's a lot of fun. You see them in their cute costumes. They're having a good time. They're running around. You're trying to help them not get hit by cars. It's cute. Um, but, you know, inevitably, I've got some little minions that I'm like, hey, listen, Amelia, Mr. Chris really likes Skittles. Okay, so if you find any extra Skittles, and she's like, oh. And I got a, they're out there. They're sourcing for me, right? And then they come to me, I got one. I got one. It's like being a drug dealer for little kids. And so they run to me, and like, I'm like, thank you, thank you. And so at first, I'm like, I'm a, yeah, I got enough. I got enough. But it keeps coming, and then I start reaching in. I'm like, it's just, the, the little pack of Skittles isn't that big. You know, so let's just have a few. I can crush a box of nerds. Like, I mean, it's a shot. It's done. I need two or three little boxes of nerds. And the Snickers they give out, it's, it's, it's disappointing. I mean, it's a little bitty cube, you know? So, like, you got to eat two or three of those. So by the end of the night, my wife is like, so how'd you do? Like, did you eat a lot of candy? I'm like, no, just a couple pieces. Reach in my pocket, right? Just fistfuls of candy wrappers. So I'm really happy that you're all here this morning. Come starting a group, and I'm going to go first. All right. Hello, my name is Chris. And I like candy. <laughs> it's a problem. In John Mark Comer's book, Live No Lies, he has this phrase that it blew my mind the first time I read it, and then I was reading through the chapters again this week to prepare for this morning sermon, and it, it gut-punched me again because after it had some time to marinate, I realized how true it was. And I want to share it with you, and it's kind of a kickoff point for where we're going this morning. Here's his phrase. He says, our strongest desires are not actually our deepest desires. Let that sink. It took me a couple of months to really feel it. Our strongest desires are not actually our deepest desires. So take a second and evaluate your strongest desires. What are the impulses? What are the things that just drive you, that push you, that you can sometimes not say no to? You're compulsively looking at your phone. And you're like, I don't even need to look at my phone. But this is this desire that I'm like, boop, I might as well open this app. It's a strong desire. Or you're mindlessly dabbling in like meaningless stuff. You just, just do, 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 hours and hours spent on something that doesn't matter, but it's what you spend your time doing, or you carelessly dismiss people or treat them poorly, or you're rude. These are your strongest desires. I'm going to tell you they're your strongest desires because they're the things you do. <laughs> they guide your actions. But what are your deepest desires? Like, if you were to pause, let's do this. Maybe if you want to, close your eyes or not, if that's weird. But think about it. Like, what do you want? Think about it. In life, what do you want? What are your goals? I think most of us, our deepest desires would include, like, I want to leave the world a better place than I found it. I want to make a mark. I want to do something to be remembered for. Or even more, you know, uh, compassionately. Like, I want, to be, I want to be the best dad I can be, the best husband I can be, the best wife I can be, the best mother I can be. These are our deep desires. If we're honest with us, that's what we really want. But our strongest desires are not always our deepest desires. It turns out, that my biggest enemy is me. Me, myself, and I. I get in the way all the time. It's time to stop, but I can't stop. It's time to go, but I can't go. 
It's that animalistic, primal cravings outside of God. You know what I'm talking about. And the Bible calls it the flesh. There's a lot of conversation we could have about flesh, but if you want to go ahead and look up our scripture for the day, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, grab a Bible. I love to look into the Bible every week for God's most important truths. We're going to be in Galatians. It's in the New Testament of your Bible. If you ever need a Bible at our church, we've got free ones in the lobby that you can borrow for the service or keep the whole time. At any time, you can go grab one or just take one home with you today and bring it back next week to use uh, or just borrow it for the service. But we're going to be starting at uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. Uh, and the Apostle Paul's talking here. And as he's talking, he's in this whole discourse about the law and Jews and Gentiles and all this stuff. We don't have to get into the, all that today, but he lands in verse 13 where he gets into this conversation about a battle that we're having between our flesh and the spirit. And I want to dive into that today and spend the time in the rest of that chapter, Galatians 5, 13, all the way to the end of chapter 5. And let's just jump in because there's a lot to get into. He says, starting at verse 13, he says, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another, humbly, in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But you bite and devour each other, so watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. You were called to be free. Like, when I hear the phrase, uh, freedom, other than thinking about Braveheart, I'm going to tell you, when I think about freedom, as a, a, as a red-blooded American, I think of this phrase, America. <laughs> y'all, y'all know America. America means this. I can do whatever I want, anytime I want. Can't nobody stop me. Can't nobody hold me down. Oh, no, I got to keep on moving. Like, that's the, that is the point of America. And I can do whatever I want to do. I'm justified by anything because it's what I want to do. But freedom isn't just I can do whatever I want to do anytime I want to do. That's not all freedom. That is a, it's a half of freedom. In fact, sociologists, they call this freedom from. Uh, it's actually categorized as what's called negative freedom. There's negative freedom and positive freedom. You could dive into that on Wikipedia if you want to, but freedom from. Freedom from means this. I am free from the outside constraints of anybody else. I'm free from uh, authority. I'm free from uh, consequences. I can do what I want to because I'm free from anything else. I can do whatever I want. Now, there, there's a portion of, of America. There's a portion of scripture. There's a portion of other things where freedom from is part of it, but it's not the whole picture of freedom. When the Apostle Paul's talking about this in Galatians chapter 4, and he says freedom, he's talking about the other half of freedom, which is freedom for. And what that means is, I've been freed from one thing so that I can do something else. And actually throughout history, like all across all ancient society and philosophy, like freedom for is what most people meant by freedom. Like, so I can achieve, I can do, I can be, because like I'm free from all that. In the case of what Jesus is talking about, he's saying, listen, you're free from your sin, you're free from your flesh, you're free from these temptations for pursuing a relationship you know, with God, to understand his holiness and his righteousness, to live differently, to treat people differently, maybe to be healed from uh, you know, brokenness, maybe to restore relationships. Like, there's all these things I can be free for now because I've been set free from something. So that's like the other half of freedom. Jesus offers this restored relationship with God, but what it means is that there's like a cost to it. There's some things that we have to let go of, like being set free from an unhealthy diet of uh, Snickers and soda so that I can have no joint pain, right, and not get the muffin top around the pants and all that. Like, right, those things, that's, you have to do that, but, but, but by 
like naturally what has to happen is I have to instead choose to eat healthy foods. I have to drink more water, right? You follow the, you follow the whole logic there. And so when it comes to God, when it comes to freedom for pursuing who God is, then listen, you want the righteousness, you want the holiness, you want the freedom from all the, the guilt, the pain, and healing and your brokenness, well, then you have to live different. You have to say no to some things. You have to turn off the little part in your mind, the strongest desires that rob you from living out your deepest desires. So let's keep reading what Paul says. Uh, he says, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love, verse 14, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. Or you will be destroyed by each other. And we've talked so much about this, uh, the, the, the mentality of others first. That's one of the biggest big biblical principles you can find. We have a, a humble God. We've got a God that put us before himself. He set the standard for that. And really, that could be like the point and the conclusion of this whole message. Like if you want to uh, get rid of the flesh in your life and quit saying uh, no to those, quit saying yes to those strong desires that weigh out your deep desires, like the, one of the biggest places you can start by putting other people first, serve others, put other people first. That might be all you need to hear today, but we've talked about that a hundred times. And so there's more in this passage that we can dive into. What I, that's what I want to do. So what Paul does is he then says, okay, so here's the deal. You've got a two-sided coin going inside of your head. You've got like a, a dichotomous personality disorder that's happening inside of your head. And let me tell you what those things are. He defines them this way. The first one is me that's walking in the flesh. So that's the first half. Walking in the flesh is about making myself, I mean loving myself more than I love others, more than I love God. That's walking in the flesh. That's the fleshly, carnal, like primal instincts. I can't say no, I'm an animal. Then the other side of that coin, the other personality that we battle with is what he calls walking in the spirit. This is about putting my desires and my urges second or even like never and instead focusing on what God wants and what other people need. So this is the two halves of the same conversation. And it's a struggle. It's a battle. And so he says in verse 16, so I say, walk by the spirit. This, this is a very powerful verse. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. That you're not able to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And Paul talks about this in several places. Romans chapter 7 is another place. Jesus talks about it, talking about a, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Of course, he's talking about demonic stuff there. But he goes into all this stuff about uh, you can't serve two masters. And there's all these, there's all these conversations. But it, this isn't just a Christian concept. You go back to like the Buddha. The Buddha talked about this. In, in, in John Mark Comer's book, he outlines a whole section. But when Buddha talked about it, he compared controlling himself to taming a wild elephant. Anybody feel that? It ain't easy. I don't know if you've ever tamed any wild elephants. Uh, I haven't done it in a long time. It's been a minute. The Greek philosopher Plato has a similar thing. He says it's like two chariot horses. One's wild and crazy and, and, and evil, and the other is good and moral and compassionate. And they're pulling in different directions in your brain. Uh, the great poet of the 90s, R. Kelly, he said a lot of good things. Uh, he believed he could fly, which I don't know if he's figured that out. But he also said, my mind is telling me no. But my body, my body is telling me yes. Do you feel it? You feel the struggle. Do you feel the conflict? This is when everyone at work is talking trash about that other person, and they're not in the room, 
And there's this little voice in your head going like, I mean, it's kind of true. Um, but like, do I engage in this? Do I start putting this person down even though they can't even hear me right now? Do I, that, that's the conflict. The choice that you make is part of the conflict. It's when you're flipping through the channels or you're surfing the internet and it lands on that trashy, uh, sensual thing that you're like, ooh, that gets my attention. But should I change the channel though? Should I get on a different website? This surely isn't good for my mind, for my relationships, for my convictions. I shouldn't do this. That is the conflict. And I want you to know this. If you have the conflict between the flesh and the spirit or the good and the bad or whatever you want to call it, the little shoulder angels from the cartoons, like whatever that little conflict is. Can I tell you this? If you have the conflict, that's good. That's really good. It's a really good sign. It's a good sign uh, if you're wrestling with it. Because, I mean, at least a couple of things are true. Number one, congratulations, you're normal. You're human. I'm diagnosing you as a normal human being. We all struggle with it. So don't get so beat up in the guilt that you're like, I'm the only one that deals with this. I'm the only one that struggles with this. No one could possibly understand no, you're not alone. You're normal. And the other thing, and I think this is even truer, the conflict actually is an indication that your soul is fighting to be like its creator. It wants so badly to be in the nature of God that it was created. You know you were created in the image of God with the ability to choose morally right and wrong, with the ability to have compassion about other people and put other people first, like all these things. And so your soul is like, I want it so bad. It's good. The conflict is good. Animals do not have the conflict. Animals do not. There is not a grizzly bear in Australia. Australia. There's not one in Australia, unless it's at a zoo. I meant to say Alaska. There's not a grizzly bear in Alaska that's standing by a waterfall. And you know those little salmon that are like, they're like climbing the waterfall by some magic. And there's not a grizzly bear sitting there like, this just feels wrong. I just... That fish has hopes and dreams. He just wants to go start a family. Nah, grizzly bear like, nom, nom, nom. <laughs> Eating more salmon, popping them in like just gummy snacks. All the salmon that you could eat. There's no grizzly bear struggling with the conflict. Is this right or is this wrong? There is no seagull sitting on the beach, sitting there, and there's this little boy, his grubby little hands, digging into his Cheetos, sand and Cheetos, looking at the the ocean, toes in the sand, and it's wonderful. Half of his back is covered with too much sunscreen. The other half is red, burnt, and he's just, but he's living his best life. And there's no seagull sitting on the beach going, maybe I should just leave him alone. Maybe I should just not go get the cheat. Let's let him have the Cheetos. Seagull ain't having that conflict. The animal serves the animal. The animal does what the animal wants to do and does not take anything else into consideration. And so I believe that this conflict with the flesh is our, our soul crying out to be more like our creator and less like our world. Because that's how our God created us. But the farther we are from God's truth, and the more the enemy's influence is in our life, last week we talked about the devil, the harder it is for us to walk in the spirit and live in truth. And most of us then tend to default to walking in the flesh. And yeah, like we come to church for an hour or so on Sunday and you even have like your verse of the day pop up on your phone. You're like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I know Jesus. And in a debate, you would take maybe the Christian worldview side on a lot of things. But your strongest desires are still not your deepest desires. And it's easier just to be the animal. 
And so Paul finishes this whole discourse by giving us two lists. We're going to pick it up back in verse 19. But these are two lists. Lists are helpful. Paul loves lists. If you've ever read the Apostle Paul much in his letters, like he's like, let me explain this to you. And he gives a list of like 30 things. Um, and so he's going to give what, what I'm going to call the flesh list and the spirit list. Okay? And so we're going to get in verse 19. He starts out. I love this sentence. It's just we're going to get the one line first. He says, the acts of the, sin, of the flesh are obvious. The acts of the flesh are obvious. It's like, you guys know what I mean when I'm talking about acts of the flesh, right? And Paul's like, yeah, y'all know what I mean, duh. So almost like we could probably just skip the next whole thing because it's obvious, right? It's so obvious. But no, it's, it's obvious, but it's really important for us to call it out <laughs> and to be aware. So then he gives us a very specific list. He starts again. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, discord. Listen to these next two. Jealousy, fits of rage, how about this one, selfishness, selfish ambition, dissension and factions, we're dividing all the time and we're split, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now here's the thing, there's several words in this list that you might be like, I'm not sure exactly what that means, I think I know, you got to go look it up. But there's enough words on this list that you immediately are like, yeah, I know what that is. And I struggle with that. And these are categories, I mean you could go subcategories on like every single one of these words. And this was a list that was written over 2,000 years ago, but let me tell you, that list is the plot for the top 10 Netflix movies right now for the best HBO special that's coming out, for the book that you want to read, for the conversations that are going around politics, or the things that are happening in school cafeterias and locker rooms. That list is the content of our conversation and our culture. The acts of the flesh are obvious because they're everywhere. And this was written over 2,000 years ago. Still true today. Our, our human nature, if you want to call it that, has not changed much. Remember, a lot of what we talk about in this series is, is, is inspired by the book called Live No Lies by the guy named John Mark Comer, and, and we're always pointing it back to Scripture and making sure that we're really pulling out that same truth. But man, he, in this book, he calls out what he calls three enemies of our soul. That's been kind of the big premise of the whole series. The devil, the flesh, and the world. These are the three enemies of our soul. And we talked about the devil last week, and we'll touch on the world uh, next week. But right here in the middle, the crux of the list of enemies to our soul is our flesh. In fact, there's a line in the book that says the flesh might be the most dangerous of the enemies. There's a point at which the devil's like, you got it covered, bro. Uh, I don't even have to do anything in your life. You are the one leading yourself astray from God right now. I don't even have to help. And the flesh is often, like, you, you're scared of the devil. devil walked in the room, you're like, oh, no. But it's me looking in the mirror. I'm like, yeah, he's not that bad. I mean, there's worse people in the world. I'm not Adolf Hitler. I'm not killing people. And those are the lies that we've been begin to internalize. I mean, the whole idea that we're trying to get to is live no lies. The lies we begin to live are I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. That it's not that bad. That I can't say no. I'm just an addict, so I just got to live in it. That the culture says I can be promiscuous with my body, and so therefore, meh, it ain't that bad. I'm just going to do it. Those are the lies. Those are the lies. 
And who is telling us those lies most of the time? It is not the devil whispering in your ear. It is me, myself, <laughs> and I. And so Paul ends his list, this first list, the, the flesh list. He says, I want to warn you, like I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom. This isn't a threat. This is just a reality. We can't walk in step with God and simultaneously be walking in step with my fleshly desires, not concerned with what God wants for them. So then he gives us the second list. Okay, that's the first list. That was fun, right? The second list is what I'm going to call the, the, the walking in the spirit list. And if you want to rewind a little bit, look back at verse 16. He says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So, like, that's the big setup. If you will learn to walk by the Spirit, well, what does that look like? Well, he gives us a list in verse 22. This is the famous, if you've been in church much at all, you've heard this list, the fruit of the Spirit. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. And that's a list, and especially if you heard it a hundred times, it's really easy for you to be like, yeah, 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 I know that list. So what I want to do is to break it down. I want to talk about what that means to our flesh. Check this out. The first one, let's leave the list up there. The first one is love. So instead of selfishness and fighting and division with other people, you know how you can live if you learn to walk in the Spirit? You can live a life of love. Or instead of discontent, sadness, pain, do you feel that? You can live a life of joy. Instead of conflict, oh my goodness, the Spirit can help us be people of peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Instead of being quick to judge people or not able to put up with them. I love this version of the, the NIV version that came out in 2011. uses the word forbearance. I memorized uh, uh, patience when I was a kid on this list. Uh, I think another translation says long-suffering. That's a good one. The idea is like, I can bear people longer. Long-suffering. Listen to the word. I can suffer longer. And we use the word patience. Like often one reason why we, we give into the flesh and we don't walk in the spirit is because we're, we just can't wait anymore. I can't be patient. I can't go through this any longer. That's patience, forbearance. He says kindness. Guys, if you live for Jesus, you shouldn't be mean to people. You shouldn't be a jerk. You should be kind. faithfulness. Instead of being flaky towards our commitments to God and other people, and can I tell you something? 2024, we are the flakiest society that has ever existed. I can tell you as this who, not just at our church, but in multiple organizations, I schedule volunteers. <laughs> and the number of people who make commitments because it sounds good on paper and they just don't show up is alarming. <laughs> and that's just a symptom, I think, of our deeper thing of being like, I can't stick to something. I can't be faithful. And I do think this has to do with our faith in God, but even like divorce rates are super high and our willingness to stick with a job when it gets hard and to do it, like all these things. But the Holy Spirit can give us that long-suffering ability, that patience, so that we can be faithful. I'm taking my time on this list. This is important. Instead of being brash, I talked about being kind. But I love the word gentleness. You know, gentleness is not just um, being a pushover. He's such a gentle spirit. No, gentleness, it requires that you be strong, actually. You have to be strong. A giant man holding a newborn baby has to be gentle. A tiny child is 
less likely to hurt the baby. I mean, they might drop them. It happens. But like it's not a, the baby, the small child's strength that's dangerous to the newborn baby. Like gentleness is strength under control. And it says, I have these abilities, but I'm going to choose to control myself, which leads to the last one, which I believe is the most important gift of the spirit in our life, self-control. If the battle is between my flesh and my spirit and the battle is between the animal and the divine in me, then I've got to be able to control myself. So this is a passage we call the fruit of the spirit because this is like the harvest of what comes out of your life. The more you walk with the spirit, the more you get in touch with who Jesus can help you to become. That's the transformation that's talked about in scripture. Our strongest desires are not always our deepest desires, but check it out. Thanks to the Holy Spirit, thanks to God's presence in our life, like you can get better day in and day out. It's like any other activity that you get better at, exercise, academics, you practice, you get better. You practice, you get better. You get challenged, you decide how to face that challenge, you get stronger, you get better. And in verse 24, Paul gives this brutal illustration because he says, how are you supposed to get to that point? How do you get to the point where you live in the Spirit? Oh my goodness, we're not ready for this. Listen to what he says we need to do. Those who belong to Christ, verse 24, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions, with its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Crucify the flesh, like crucifix. Crucifixion, you know, we, we talk about it at Easter. This is how Jesus gave his life on a cross. This was uh, Roman Empire times. This was a, a, a type of capital punishment that was brutal. You're literally being nailed alive to a tree. I mean, geez, can you think of a worse way to suffer? And the early church adopted the language of crucifixion. I kind of love what they did. They turned it on its head and they were like, okay, we, we kind of want that for ourselves. Who would want that? Because they understood the detriment to our soul if we don't take the old man, the old woman, and put them to death. In the act of baptism, this is Romans chapter 6, but it says that we were buried with Christ in baptism. That's the, that's the imagery of a funeral. We were buried in Christ. But why? To be raised to walk in newness of life. That's the promise. And so the early Christians, and it continues on as Paul writes this down, and I think it continues in us, is that we have to say, I got to die to the old self. How do I walk in the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, forbearance. How do I do that? I crucify the flesh. I lay it down. And I say, that's the old me. I don't do that anymore. And that old zombie's going to pop his head up all the time and be like, I'm back. And you say, bad zombie. <laughs> No. How do we do it? Um, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. The grizzly bear, it, I mean, it would be a lot of training to be like, go get a salad, buddy. It's hard. But uh, I want to start with two baseline ideas, and then I'm going to give us two challenges. There's one challenge. I hope we can all do both halves of, it, halves of it. But if you can do half of it, you'll be really good. How do we do this? I, I think it starts with the foundation, okay? Foundation is one word. Jesus. That's my Sunday school answer. That's my church answer. Jesus. How can I learn to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh? Jesus is very clear. I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so there's other worldviews. There's other religion. There's other schools of thought. There's other ways you can do it, workout programs and things you can go to and sit in groups and talk in circles. But I'm going to tell you something. Nothing will truly set you free from the flesh outside of Jesus. Other things will get you real close. And feeling good about yourself. And maybe getting rid of addictions and all these other things. 
But Jesus is the power because Jesus is the only one who defeated death and rose from the grave and promises us resurrection in our spirit. Jesus. That's the first foundation. The second foundation is this. It's an idea. We've got to give the spirit control by weakening the flesh's hold on us. That makes sense. Uh, If you've ever tried to parent uh, a three-year-old, it is very important that the three-year-old understands, you are not in charge, Billy. (laughs) And until Billy understands that he is not in charge, and no matter how much he kicks and screams and bites, he is not going to get his way. Mama has no authority in Billy's life. And some of us are in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and the flesh is in control. <laughs> and we're like, no. And flesh is like, okay, <laughs> give me five minutes. I'll have you wanting that again. So we have to learn how to loosen the flesh's control in our life. Okay, so this comes to our challenge. Every week I try to give us a, a, a tangible take-home challenge. This is in two halves. Um, and I'm going to give you the first two words, and then we're going to break them down. The, the words are fasting and confession. Dang, Chris, can you give us something easy? No, I cannot. (laughs) Because this is not an easy task. Let's talk about these two things. Fasting. Uh, When I talk about fasting, I mean specifically from food. Can I make a correction on myself? I want to correct some things that I've said before. Um, In the past, I've taught that when it comes to fasting, like, I've kind of given us a softball approach, and I've said, listen, you know, fasting from food, but like you can fast from other things. Fast from social media. Fast from your phone. Fast from this. Fast from that. Fast from just chocolate and coffee. Um, Those are fine and good disciplines. I'm not saying don't do them, but that's called abstaining. If you were to talk to the first century Christians about fasting, they'd be like, fasting means taking a break from food. That's what fasting means. You're talking about something different. So from now on, help me, I've become convinced that when we talk about fasting and when Jesus fasted and when anyone else in scripture fasted, they were fasting from food. And there's a reason for that. What we're doing is we're denying the body food so that we can teach it that it's not in control. Because there's a lot of things you can ignore. I'm fasting from social media. So instead, I'm going to go listen to a podcast and just drown out the world. I'm fasting from chocolate, but not Skittles. (laughs) But you cannot ignore fasting from food. The idea is every time my stomach grumbles, I go, oh, man, I want a snack. Oh, that's right. I'm training my body of something. Uh, No. You can be told no, Billy. Billy body. (laughs) Flesh, I'm in control here, and you can be told no. And that's the thing that most of us never learn. And so I think that's why Jesus, before he goes to be tempted by the devil in Luke chapter 4, what has he been doing for 40 days? Fasting from food. Because he wanted his body to be in lockstep with his spirit. It's a hard thing to take. So here's the challenge. This week. This week. I'm not talking about like in the future, like June or next New Year's. This week. This is my challenge. You don't have to do it. It's up to you and Jesus. Try fasting from food in order to train your flesh that it can be told no, that it's not in control. What does that mean? I have dietary restrictions. I'm a diabetic. I've got to take medicine before I, food before my medicine. Work it out between you and your doctor and your Lord. Like, whatever you got to do, okay? It doesn't mean sun up to sun down, but it could be. It could be like, I'm just going to skip lunch today. Some of y'all can't make it without lunch, so that's good. That's good training. You ever been hangry? Live in it! Be hangry! <laughs> 
and pray to the Lord that it can teach you that you can tell your body no. When you break the fast, this is scriptural, celebrate the goodness of God. If you skip lunch and you're sitting with your family, like we, there's this whole thing about like, don't brag about, well, I'm fasting today. I'm, look at me, I'm fasting. Like, but, but when you break the fast and you've got friends who know that you are, be like, let's just pray before we eat. Let's celebrate the goodness of God. You know why? Because every time your body is being trained that it can be told no, in the future, your flesh is going to rise up its head and say, I want, I want, me, 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 seagull, seagull, grizzly bear, grizzly bear. And you can be like, no. I've done this before. I did some light lifting the other day. I skipped lunch, but now I'm ready for the heavy lifting. It's a discipline. It's not easy at first. But you can learn. John Mark Comer says it this way. Fasting is the way to turn your body into an ally in your fight with the flesh rather than an adversary. That's a challenge. Give it a try. Um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it one day this week. I'm not saying it in a braggadocious way, but as, as a leader that says leaders go first, I'm going to give us a day. Um, and I'm doing it. And I actually shared with a friend this morning that I was doing it. So I'm not going to post it on social media or take pictures of myself. I'm so hungry. But I'm just going to have some accountability and I'm going to do it. I want to challenge you to do the same thing and uh, maybe make it a habit. You know, the early church, I mean, for hundreds of years, the church, most of the church fasted twice a week, Wednesdays and Fridays. It was like, well, yeah, you're a Christian now, so you're going to take time to tell your body no because <laughs> your body's stinking strong. You need to get it under control. All right, second challenge. The other flesh training this discipline I want to suggest is confession. And it's a little bit different. Last week I told you that the devil's strategy, the devil's strategy was to isolate you and tell you lies. That's the devil's strategy, isolation and lies. Um, but often, like, the devil doesn't even have to isolate you because we do it to ourselves. We're like, man, I can't sit in silence, and I got to pump stuff in my ears all the time and there's all this stuff and I don't confide in people and people have hurt me and so I can't trust anybody so there's a lot of reasons but we isolate ourselves and in that same place we can learn to begin to believe lies but confession fights that by saying I'm going to intentionally place myself under the care of someone else biblical confession is to go to a, a brother or sister in Christ and say listen I got sin in my life and I need to talk about it you thought fasting was hard <laughs> you're like sign me up for fasting I don't want to talk about my sin to somebody else but have you ever experienced the, the freedom of getting something off your chest? And you're like, oh, man, I feel so much better. This is harder, and I don't know if you can do it this week, because it requires uh, trust. You have to have a relationship where you can do that. I, I talked about small groups earlier. I will tell you that I don't think most of our small groups sit around just making everyone confess publicly. So don't worry. That's probably not going to happen in your small group. But that's a place to build a relationship where you could build that trust. Maybe it's with your spouse, but maybe some of your sin is not appropriate to share with your spouse right now because they ain't ready. It might be against them. Now, there's got to be a point where that comes to the light. But the book of John says that if we take stuff and we drag it out of the darkness and into the light and into the Father's vision, he can deal with it. The thing is, the Father can see it in the shadows. He ain't stupid. But he also understands, like, all right, I'm not welcome there. You don't want me there. But if we bring it into the light, he goes, all right. You take a moldy blanket and you lay it in the sunshine the light purifies the death. And that's the principle of confession. So here's the second challenge. Crucify your flesh by practicing confession this week. I want to tell you, as accountability, I called a friend this week and talked about something that I hadn't talked about in a while. I did it. After I wrote this down, I was like, I can't stand up there and say that. <laughs> and it's liberating. And only in that place can the light of Jesus truly begin to purify us. 
He says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Our struggle with the flesh is not unbeatable. It's not. Jesus showed us that. That's why he came. In Jesus, we have the strength to overcome and the promise of a rich life because of his Holy Spirit in our life. And each step in the journey brings us closer to the freedom and the fullness that Christ offers. So, let's move forward with hope, saying no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit and live a life of no lies. Let me pray for you this morning.